is the Heart to Heart podcast. It will be covering a walk from the geographic centre of Australia to the centre of the nation's capital in Canberra to raise awareness of the mental health issues faced by our first responders. We ask a lot of the people in our police, emergency services and all frontline workers. That takes a big toll on them and their families, which is why this walk is happening. These are just everyday people that have to do extraordinary things. These people are just like my dad. Well, welcome to the Heart to Heart Walk podcast. Today we have Billy Brooks, an intensive care paramedic with the ACT Ambulance, who's currently on secondment to the Rural Fire Service. G'day, Billy. Uh, g'day, Matt. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you very much for coming on. At this time of year, everyone's pretty busy, so I uh, appreciate your uh, your time. Billy, um, I've had a fleeting chat with you, I guess, in the uh, Heart to Heart Walk planning group meetings. Um, certainly heard you talk on a few issues, which were really... Uh, Really relevant to everybody in the group, and particularly uh, some of the items were of interest to me personally. And uh, and I was really eager to get you on on the podcast to talk about those things from from the outset. Um, and I know uh, Vince mentioned that English is a second language, uh, quite <laughs> quite quite uh, comically. Or we we will uh, take that the right way. But um, look, tell us about your journey. Where whereabouts did you grow up? And um, and what's brought, basically, we'll, we'll just want to try and capture where you've, your journey to becoming involved in the walk. Yeah, well, we'll come back to Vince later, I think. Um, <laughs> Everything comes back to Vince, I think. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, I'm beginning a serial, to build that picture. A serial pest, I think they call those people, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, I originate from Scotland. I've lived in Australia now um, for 10 years, married to a Canberran. I've been working in ambulance for, it's my 20th year actually, almost to the day. Yeah, right. So I did 10 years in Scotland, sort of between Edinburgh, Forth Valley and Glasgow. So across what we call the Central Belt, which is sort of the most populous areas of Scotland. And prior to coming over here, I also worked as a special operations response paramedic. And yeah, that was that was pretty fun. A lot of bells and whistles and basically hazmat, CBRN. We did a lot of work alongside our colleagues in the police if they were performing any sort of close protection functions. Yeah, right. Uh, um, such as such as the Royal Household, etc. We marked ambulance. We basically drove around and spent a lot of time on standby. Um, Hurry I suppose up and you get job. paid for what you can do. Not what you, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. those ones. So yeah, I came over here 10 years ago as intensive care paramedic with ACT Ambulance. And yeah, I'm, I suppose I'm, I'm here now. Uh, unfortunately, I got injured back in 2014 with one of our infamous stretchers. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, we, we had a bit of a collapse of the stretcher with a patient on board and I decided to be a hero and stop it from collapsing. And unfortunately, did myself a bit of an injury in the hip. And then I had subsequent complications with that over the years, number of surgeries. Wow. And yeah, I suppose the physical became psychological. Yeah, I think that's pretty uh, sadly common when it's a uh, a complex or protracted um, injury, particularly when uh, when it's plagued with uh, what would you call it rehab uh, administrative issues. Administrative issues would be the polite way of putting it. Yeah, it, it's not a good place to be. It was a tough journey. Um, a number of issues with pay. I had issues with um, actually getting them to recognise 
that they were liable, uh, a lot of delays, um, a lot of frustration, and uh, at the same time, still trying to balance my, my normal duties. I was, you know, I probably came back to work sooner than I probably should have done, really. But that that's basically, you know, where I wanted to be. I wanted to be at my work. Yeah, I think that's the idea of the, uh, the rehab model, isn't it? To get you back to work as quick as you can. But I think... Uh... <laughs> I think sometimes they try and use that against you, actually, sadly. I, I, yeah, look, I, I I was felt or made to feel that it was almost like I was trying to work the system. When in actual fact, all I was actually after was a little bit of compassion and protection in return. You know, I, I, I was fairly fit. Um, I played social football. You guys call it soccer, but I refused to, <laughs> I refused to bow down to that. You won't come around? <laughs> You know, when I'd come over to Australia, I'd, I was actually a weekend warrior as well. I volunteered as a combat medic. Yeah, right. So my fitness levels were pretty good. Um, and then all of a sudden, I couldn't exercise. I was unable to walk without pain, had chronic pain for over seven years. Mm. Um, so to be treated the way that I was, was was disheartening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a, it's a hard hit when it comes from an organization that you've given a lot to and... Uh... Look, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to blame Actas in in this instance. Um, you know, the government are responsible for the insurance there. Mm. Unfortunately, the employer, my immediate employer, ACT Ambulance, um, although they come under the umbrella of umbrella of Justice and Community Safety, which is part of the government, yep. um, they, they they don't have a lot to deal with you when you actually get into this um, insurance cycle. Mm. Um, you know, and and probably don't really have a lot of oversight or a lot of knowledge of actually what's going on with their staff. And mm. and maybe that's something that you can work on. But certainly the the whole injury management process is completely separate from from ambulance once you get into that yeah. that level. Yeah, it sort of does. Uh, I, I experienced something very similar where it sort of tips. Yeah, one, you, right. Once it goes into that insurance pipeline, the insurance managed pipeline, you're then dealing with the insurance assessor from the insurance company. And yeah, the organization doesn't have a lot to do with you from that point on. And yeah, it's pretty hard to hear. Sometimes they, they talk big about the um, how, how far the organization, the agency has come in in management of injuries and, and mental health injuries and things like that. But uh, unfortunately, when you, they, they, yeah, you're right. They do separate that quite distinctly from from the organization to when you enter the uh, the insurance pipeline and and those all that goodwill and effort in the agency doesn't actually transfer into the insurance realm look and i i feel that a lot of um a lot of that's just sound bites and you know it sounds good during mental health week or mm. whatever they want to call it these days you know there has been some good initiatives but overall the the actual way that people are treated is diabolical Mm. Uh, it's the only way I can I can put it. And so I've kind of made it a little bit of a mission of mine um, now that I, I feel that I'm coming through the other side. So I was given the diagnosis of PTSD over a, about a year ago now. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure the signs had been there for a few years before that. Certainly a few of my friends and colleagues and my family would probably agree with that. Yep. It took a while for me to catch up. Sadly, that's a pretty um, common uh, common story. <laughs> With uh, people yeah. like ourselves, I think. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I was listening to the podcast you guys did the other day, and I, I think it might have been you, Matt, that was they were talking about when 
your wife had reportedly said to Vince that it was good to have my husband back, and yeah. I had a very, I had a very similar story. And honestly, mate, I, I, it would bring a tear to a glass eye if you've been <laughs> through that situation when when you hear things that are are similar to to what you've gone through. I went to a wedding recently um, of one of my colleagues, and a couple of my mates come up to me and and basically welcomed me back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and that 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 was quite. Um, confronting but in a good way um, yeah i've experienced very similar stuff yep yeah mm. yeah and I, and i think that's the thing that brings all of our services together there as well um as uh, frontline first responders whatever you want to call us you know although different backgrounds different jobs um we do have sort of shared experience yeah absolutely and uh yeah it's something i often refer to is the storyline or the you know, the, the turn of events that have led people to this particular point in time can be pretty varied. But, uh, yeah, once you, <laughs> once you hear the story is pretty similar, like the, um, and I, and I, I, uh, I spoke to bats for his first cooking episode just the other day. And he said the same thing, you know, you could literally just change the, change the name on the top of the page and put anyone's name there. It's pretty similar. Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter how you get here. It's, um, yeah, it's a pretty similar story once you, once you hear. Yeah, Absolutely. So listen, I'm interested in, uh, it's quite a story that has brought you to Australia and, and what you did before you got here, but what, from an ambulance perspective, what would the major differences be between Scotland and Australia in, in, in your profession? Obviously there's, look at, before I came here, I was working in Glasgow and uh, I think Canberra has socially, economically, um, I would say it's at a higher level. So a lot of the issues that I was dealing with over there, a lot more drink, drug um, related. Yep. Uh, whereas Canberra's overall got a, a healthier population. Yeah, okay. Um, Scotland being being what it is, is we might we might not be leading the field in a lot of the sports, but um, <laughs> certainly when it comes to ill health, we're, we're top of the tables. Yeah, right. So, you know, heart problems, breathing problems, COPD, things like that. So... Overall, the work's kind of the you know, worldwide is is very similar. Pretty similar, yeah. Um, yeah. There's a smaller workforce here in Canberra. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Uh, we we often refer to it as a boutique ambulance service. Yeah, I, I right. don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they can they can call it that now when they've taken on so many um, new starts in the last year or two. Yeah. Right. Um, but one thing that's highlighted as well is that you you can't just throw new ambos at a problem. Um, yeah. it's not, it's not going to work. It's a similar problem in policing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I think the more ambulance has become in the last 10 years, more primary healthcare. So, you know, nursing home transfers because, you know, the nursing homes don't have nurses in them. Um, yeah. you know, that, although not very taxing on you mentally, it, it certainly disrupts your, your night shift when you're having to repatriate people at, three or four in the morning that yeah. aren't that happy that they've just been woke up <laughs> um and mental health as well you know men- mental health severely lacking um and i don't think that's just in canberra come 10 o'clock at night the the access to services is limited yeah plus they won't touch people that have had any alcohol in their system yeah, yeah. so then it falls on ambulance and and to some extent as well the the police who have to come and and help us wrangle these people out to hospital. Yeah. I don't doubt yeah. there's probably a pretty similar similar issue around the world, as you said. Um, yeah. 
organisationally, though, I'm just thinking here in New South Wales, the role that you were doing over in Scotland sounded like a special casualty access team, like a SCAT paramedic sort of role where they they do those sort of functions as well as, you know, other more technical access type type jobs. So, yep. yeah, so that that's that would be the equivalent, I'm, I'm guessing, what you were doing in Scotland would be a SCAT sort of role. Yes. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I bet yeah, I bet that would have been a big change of pace coming down to little old Canberra. Uh yeah, yes and no. I mean, I think when I first came to Canberra, there we still got a little bit of downtime on a night shift. But that's just eroded over the last few years to to virtually non existent now. Yeah, you know, the work, workloads yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say your workload increased. spread. <laughs> yeah, exponentially. Um, yeah. you know, the, the workload's gone up. Um, well, I hope, I hope like you do what I used to do on night shift. Every time I had to go to another domestic or something, I'd go past the fire station, see all the lights out, and I'd turn the siren <laughs> on. But the only part of the trip, the siren had to be used, unfortunately, for them on the way past the station, just to let them know that we're out there working. That's all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love like, the fireys. We did, we did exactly that. Um, yeah, look, good, good natured banter. Um, yeah. I, I actually had one of one of our fire colleagues telling me that. If I was coming back the next night, could I could I be a bit quieter when I left the station? <laughs> so I, I subsequently, um, at the time, they had a little bit of action going on um, with regards to pay and staffing levels, etc. And I decided to stir the pot and asked him if he'd put his name forward to be to be a fire ambulance driver. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that that started a little ripple effect. Oh, I bet where, it would have. Yeah. yeah, I'd essentially told them that, you know, we, we had two ambulances, you had one crew, um, you know, like they were trying to justify your existence. So they're going to split up your crew and we're going to put on an extra ambulance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah the, the station officer got a hold of me that next night and told me, <laughs> pipe down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I could imagine how that would have went. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, all good fun. Yeah, it is. It's all good fun. Keeps you, you got to smile. You got to smile. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, there's enough. There's enough rough stuff to do without being able to keep that little comical uh, undertone. So, Billy, uh, recovering from injuries of any type can be challenging. I, I know you said you you went from basically being, you know, an army reservist, you know, a, 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 an active. And fully, fully operational ambulance officer to not being out and and playing soccer. <laughs> uh, your, we were in, doing so well <laughs> in your spare time. You know, how did that affect you? What that's got to have been a significant turning point. Ma- massive. You know, uh, I've had time to think about it over the years. Because we're going back to uh, 2014, right? Is that when you first injured yourself? First injured myself in 14 and was was um, wrongly diagnosed. Unfortunately. Um, I got involved in early intervention physiotherapy um, and spent six months with a physio digging his elbow into my groin until one day uh, I basically threatened to insert that somewhere else if he went anywhere near me with his elbow. <laughs> so we thought I'd probably go for scans and and turned out torn ligaments, etc. But right. And then had complications from that surgery. So... Yeah, a lot of highs and lows. I was getting myself back to potentially being able to kick a ball again and and then back down again and then got a secondary injury to the point where I just uh, I couldn't walk without pain um, oh, wow. at all. Were you still working at um, this time? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. Uh, taking painkillers, wearing orthotics, just dealing with it on my days off. Uh, really, it's it's like having a second job, as you probably understand. Yeah. You, you're going to physio, you're seeing doctors more than you've ever seen in your life. You know, getting injections into the foot, which are never fun um, with a secondary injury. So, yeah, uh, overall, I, I, I tried to stay upbeat. I was convinced that I was going to get myself back to being fit. But I think I describe it as being like a wounded dog. You know, you, you backed into a corner. Um, yeah. You're not physically as fit or as strong as you would like to be. And yeah, the problems really started from there. Obviously, the administration side of things definitely didn't help. Mm. Um, and my resilience was just getting lower and it was just ebbing away, as I understand it now. Yeah. And yeah, left me wide open. I went to a job that I've been to a number of times before. It wasn't anything over the top. Yeah. Maybe a bit of oversharing went on from the patient. And yeah, Pandora's box was just opened and started to started to have nightmares, waking up in the middle of the night, anxiety, yep. massive anxiety. I, I went from being the social organizer to being a complete recluse. Yep. Um, I couldn't walk around to my friend's house around the corner without vomiting. It, it got that bad. Yeah. And yeah, and it, it got about as low as I, as I really could go. But I think having the support of my immediate family, uh, my tribe, my clan, my mob, whatever you want yep. to call them, yep. really, really helped me to to refocus. And also, I I took up leather work as well. Actually, yeah, right. Yeah, so my my papa, my grandfather, um, had had done leather work um, back in the day, but wow, um, and it was something I was always interested in. And when I couldn't do anything physical, I needed to do something. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, I started making Scottish sporrans, belts, knife sheaths. Um, oh. And yeah, I found that was I found that was a really good way to to focus my energy or the energy that I, <laughs> I was able to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's nice seeing seeing a product from what. Yeah, when you when you're struggling to uh, to to find that energy, it's nice actually seeing something productive as an output, isn't it? That's exactly that's exactly it, Matt. I think uh, in ambulance, um, and you know, and I'm speaking specifically from ambulance here, and yeah. I'm sure I'm sure this is a shared thing, but you don't often get to see an end product. No. And sometimes when you do, it's not necessarily you know what you wanted. So to be able to actually to make something from the start and to see it all the way through to actually have something in your hands and go, yeah. yeah, I did that. I found that quite therapeutic. That's cool. I'm flat out putting an extra notch in my belt to widen it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't have a problem of trying to make it narrower these days, but uh, <laughs> yeah. No. yeah, it's no, tough think, actually. Yeah. yeah it's, we uh... all suffer from that one. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that I, I, I found that was really good. And then I, I discovered down, down in the South of Canberra, um, or just outside of Canberra, across in Tharwa, there's a fantastic forge down there, run by uh, Karim and Ali, and they're they're just absolutely wonderful people. They they've got forge, um, they've got a place called Kappa Cumberlong Homestead, and I discovered that just after the the fire season down here, the 1920 we call it, yeah. um, 
they wanted to give something back to emergency workers. Now, you probably not thank me for saying this, but uh, someone had left a benevolent donation. Yeah. Um, I've got suspicions that it, it may well have came from them, um, but I'm sure they'll, they'll never admit it. Right. Um, and they had set up a first responders knife making course over two days. Yeah, right. Yeah, which again, it comes around to what I was saying there and what you said as well, Matt, about having a, a finished product. Mm. Um doing something with your hands. Because I, th- I think I've heard of this place because I'm pretty sure uh, Ambulance Mate of Mine from the Blue Mountains went down there with a couple of other Ambos a few months yeah, back. Yeah, so that's yeah. cool. So the, they've reached out through New South Wales and I, I think they were trying to spread further afield. Unfortunately, the funding that they had has is, is started to, to dry up now, right. but right. I, I'd be making numbers up, but I know that they've put at least 60 or 70 ESA staff through this course. Awesome. Uh, and also others from outside of New South Wales. It's probably into the it's probably into the three figures easily. Wow. And they've teamed up with the university to try and um, do a little bit more research on the benefits of craft-based health and well-being courses. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. There's so many variations, isn't there? Like you talk you, you go from anywhere from equine therapy to yeah. you know, therapy dogs to you know, doing what you're doing and then other people, you know, um, you know, people that make little retreats and part of, part of that is actually the construction of the retreat is half the therapy for the, the people that are putting it together. It's amazing how, uh, the breadth, but I mean, everyone's a bit different in that regard. And I, I guess different things appeal to different people and, um, yeah, the knife making course, what a, what an awesome thing. Yeah. No one, no one size fits all really is, is the way to sum that one up there. Yeah. As you well know, Matt, there's, you know, I've been I've been involved in, you know, for me, I didn't particularly enjoy or feel good afterwards with psychology. You know, although psychologist was great, she understood emergency trauma. Mm. In the beginning, it was great. She she normalised the way I was feeling. It was actually quite confronting. Now you're probably going to have to bleep this bit out, but. <laughs> When I first went to her and I, I kind of had the opinion, how did this happen to me? You know, I thought I was Teflon coated and, you know, I was the one that other people would come to to talk about difficult jobs. Yeah, and, yeah. And she turned around and said to me, who the f*** do you think you are, Superman? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Unless <laughs> I was she's... like, I've come here for help, not abuse. Um, <laughs> Unless she was a realist. Like yeah, 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 not all of them are like that, actually. That's something I've come to know. This, uh, the, yeah. the good ones are few and far between, I think, unfortunately. No yeah. uh, no disrespect to their, uh, their profession, but, yeah, they're very uh, – yeah, it's, it's hard it's to find the right fit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, people can, people can read and become educated about uh, psychological injury, mm. um, but, you know, the, the real understanding has to come from having that lived experience. You know, you, you, you can review a number of people and, and, and say, yep, this is common, this is common, this is common. But there's so many different um, aspects to it. And this is why no one thing will, will work yeah, for, yeah. you know, uh, different things work for, for individuals. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've got to have a little, spe- like a spectrum of different bits and pieces that are, you know, you've got to work out the pieces of the puzzle. And then once you get that right, it sort of starts progressing in the right direction, I think. Well, that's it, and and sometimes it is just that accumulative effect, a bit a bit like um, psychological injury, where it's a it's an accumulation of things. Mm. You know, for me, 
yeah, been having that normalized, taking up uh, craft-based work and having a project that I could complete and be proud of. I was also introduced to uh, Pia and Alana from Emergency. Yeah. And and that was fantastic. And and they they recognized that I suppose I, I was looking for that intermediate between peer support officers, which are yep. you know, the, the reporting line is still back to your employer. Yeah. Um and you know, full on private hospital treatment. There, there there needed to be someone there that was independent completely that, yep. that, that could help help put you in the right direction. And that that was certainly emergency for me. Yeah, uh, me and Alana. And they sent me on a course with the I don't know if you've heard of the change room. No, I've not heard of that. No. So the change room was run, is run, and it's a lot of um, so John and uh, and Matt Elliott. Now Matt Elliott used to be a, a Canberra Raiders okay. um, coach, and they have presenters on there. I think Jeff Hardy, Anthony Minicello. Yeah, right. Um, there's a breathing and sleep coach called Nam Baldwin, and you know, obviously a number of other psychologists and things. And the, the way they presented the change room was, was, um, I really got that message and it wasn't anything new, yeah. um, but it was just all being presented together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, really about the breathing, the sleeping, the hydration, um, nutrition, yep. you know, your, your community, your mob, if you like a uh, fantastic, uh, it was really, really good. Yeah, um, that's awesome. And, came just at the right time for me. And so, yeah, the, the, there are a number of things happening. And I think, yeah, the, as soon as we realize, or we do realize it now, that, you know, there are different strategies to this, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Pia and Alana, gee, I don't know when they sleep. They seem to be doing a lot. <laughs> seem to be doing a lot in a lot of places. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're pushing hard. And, you know, uh, and, 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 and again, that you know, the, when I was speaking to my psych about getting involved with them, yep. uh, which they've now uh, officially helping out as a, as a mentor yeah, cool. down here for emergency. Awesome. And, you know, because I, I feel I'm in that space now where I can. People talk about your, your sort of recovery or your growth stage. And yep. I, I'm hoping that's where I am now on that sort of growth spectrum where, you know, look, I'm, I'm not going to sit and listen to to war stories or complaints because that will set off triggers for myself. Mm. But what I can do is help people navigate that minefield, which is dealing with the legislation side of things, dealing with treatment and, and trying to get the right person connected to the right treatment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's great. Actually, that's yeah. sort of it's a similar, um, I suppose, journey to how I became involved in the walk and, and this podcast concept too, because yeah, you know, I found a lot of, I call it connection therapy or something like that. I don't know, but the, uh, to the stories that I was listening to when I was sort of pretty lost and, you know, but it was very similar, like we were talking about earlier, it doesn't really matter how you got there, but these people, so many people seem like they were going through something similar and all of a sudden I felt validated. I, I keep using that word. I don't know whether it's right, yeah. but validated in not, not being, you know, weak or, you know, soft or whatever, whatever had happened to me. Um, and then, yeah, just in sort of just connecting with some of the people involved in the podcasts that were delivering that material, I, you know, became friends with literally, which is the sort of first time I'd come out out of hiding for a long time. And, um, 
Yeah, and it just sort of grew from there. And, and I just really wanted to, I guess, help other people like myself that were looking for that same validation and try and bring some context to these stories. Because a lot of the stuff I was listening to was military stuff, even though it had similar themes in it um, and I could connect with it. It was, you know, out of context for the most part. And uh, that's what I sort of thought, wow, I can't be the only one mm. trying to find this that, that I can't find. And uh, yeah, and then yeah. and um, the war came along and put two and two together and tried and do a bit of both. So, and you're right, like it's, you, you do get to that point where you're trying to, do something that still helps you, but also helps other people. Cause, um, you know, I, I often, you know, this is a lot like any, anyone that's ever known me during my life would think the same as I still do is this is the last thing I'd ever imagined me doing. But when I'm actually talking to people like yourself and, and Vince and, and that sort of group that is the walk and, and it's peripheries, it's, it's really, you know, it's cathartic in itself, but yeah. You know, for me, it's a bit of a combination of, the, I, I go to a PTSD group once a week, which is literally just a, you know, military, police, ambos, fire, who, whatever, um, mm. that, that go and have a weekly meeting and it goes through a, couple, a good few hours, like three and a half hours or something. And I find this very similar to that, where I can, you know, be surrounded by people with a similar story, really understanding. Um, but with this, I get that spin off of feeling like I'm doing something beneficial for someone I don't even know. And you know, that, that's yeah. like that you're producing that product with, for your efforts. Um, and, and like, I've got a, <laughs> I can't say I do this by myself, my, uh, my kids and family mm. are involved in it and I've learned so much from them just understanding the technology and the, how to, how to do it. But it's been, yeah, it's been so awesome from connecting with my own family, but then also feeling like I'm, I'm being able to do something useful that's maybe of benefit yeah. to someone else. And, you know, it's amazing, isn't it? How you, uh, how you sort of find, find purpose again. That, that's brilliant, Matt. Um, yeah. Like that's exactly it is that, you know, if you can take this experience that you've gone through and, and make something good from it, yeah, then, you know, maybe, maybe that's why, you know, I don't know, maybe that's why, or let's, it's not why I'm going through it, but I suppose to make some sense of it, you know, if you can help somebody else, um, then yeah, it's, it's you know I, I'm not saying that I'm I'm doing this completely out of charity. You know I've got yeah, yeah. I'm getting something from it, yeah, of course. And what I'm getting from it is yeah, the word you use there, the validation, the revalidation, um, mm. being able to actually help guide somebody through this process in the hope that they don't end up where where I was. Mm. You know if I can if I can do that to one or two people, then then great. Um, yeah. if I can do it for, for more fantastic. Yeah. Hey, a little while ago, you mentioned, uh, legislation, which is something that, um, uh, mo yeah. myself and my family have been heavily invested in, in, in yeah. exactly what we're talking about is giving ourselves purpose because yeah, uh, we've hit some, oh, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like some of the things that I've had to go through, are mind bogglingly ridiculous mm. and, uh, traumatic in a, in a, in a sense, like administratively yeah. traumatic yeah. from a point where it makes you go back through things. You're really, uh, you know, in your therapy, you're trying to work through them. And then all of a sudden some administration thing makes me go through something I've been trying to avoid or whatever. And independent uh, medical examiner. Oh my man. God. Now, is that not like, you know, talk about re-traumatizing people. Like you, you sending someone to an independent medical examiner that doesn't. I think if you mentioned IME, you. I think just the yeah. word, the words yeah. independent medical examination or IME, I think we need to put a trigger warning out for them because, oh my yeah. God. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, let, let, let's just, let's just take people through and relive their most traumatic experience yeah. on multiple occasions. Yeah. In an hour you and know, a half that, over Zoom with someone you've never yeah. met. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that set me back so many times. Yeah. And, same. And, yep. and the anxiety of leading up to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like, because, you know, you're thinking about nothing else at that yeah. time. And, and you, you got know, all these people saying, I just focus on getting better. And it's like, ah, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's one of the things when we go back to the presumptive legislation space. Mm. So that's one of the things that needs to go. Yeah, when you mentioned legislation earlier, I thought uh, my wife and I are in yeah. so many different discussions at the moment trying to bring some reason to why on earth that hasn't been at least properly considered in New South Wales. And when, when you mentioned yeah. legislation and, and I did hear you talk about the presumptive stuff, like that push in, in one of the planning meetings that my, you know, my ears really pricked up because um, yeah. it, it is mentioned in that Senate report. And yep. I think it's only Tassie and Queensland at the moment that have actually done anything about it. Yeah. So what, tell yes. us where, where are you at with that? And, and I know it's a big motivator for me because a lot of what I go through, I think I wouldn't go through this if I didn't think I was going to be able to influence some change to help some poor other bugger that not have to go through what I'm going through. Exactly that. Um, so I suppose, obviously, I I always had an interest in, in health and well-being, but my focus really came into it when I'm Prior to me being, while I still had the physical injury, I was working on this side of things because I could see how it could become psychological without without any help. And unfortunately, I ended up in that trap. Yeah. But I've done a lot of research. I'd been looking into, I think, 2018, Beyond Blue, did a report called yeah. Answering the Call. Yeah. That's got some frightening figures in it. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think the reported claims regarding mental and i hate the use of the word mental health you know psychological injury yeah. or mental injury i think is more appropriate yeah but first responders 10 times higher than the average for the australian workforce yeah when i saw that i went wow and um yeah do you know i'll give you a little little uh snippet of something that happened to us so i've written to quite a few ministers in my uh well, with with some help, we've we've written to some ministers in my journey, we should, and we'll compare ministers. Yeah, yeah, and what, we got a response back from one of them that questioned my reference to that figure, and yeah. in, their, in their own response back to me, they also quoted how much uh, focus government had had on that report. So I had to report. Yeah. I had to write back and say, "You have referenced the report you apparently know so well." Yeah asking me where that figure comes from that's it came from the report you referenced so you obviously don't know it very well yeah and that the senate inquiry as you touch on there um was that 2019 19, the, yeah the, yep. the people behind treble o yeah one, one of my colleagues uh jim i'm not going to use his last name in no, case no. i'm sure he'd be happy to but he he presented to that and he actually so i'm also involved with the with the union down here and in in ambulance in the ACT, we we are um, supported by the Transport Workers Union. Yeah. Okay. So ACT Ambos is rep- yeah right. I come comes under yeah, the well, TWU. Yeah. Right. Well, I suppose we're transport workers, and you know, <laughs> like, well, ma- yeah. Mambo Mambo friends will love this, but we're just drivers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're probably going to get taken down off the internet for that one, but anyway. Yeah, that's it. Like, yeah. If ever you want to troll an Ambo, just call them a driver. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, 
you know, the, he went through all of the recommendations there, and and as he called it, was underwhelming and yeah. insulting. Yeah, and that, underwhelming and insulting. The the Morrison government's reply was that it was actually a state or territory issue. Yeah. So this really demonstrated that they've either got no idea, or they actually do not care about the problem. Yeah, it's one or the other, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and like they've got no interest in taking a leadership role mm. whatsoever. So I don't know when they become involved in issues where every single state and territory's basically got the same issues. When does that yeah. not become a when and, when and does it not even issue. when does it not at least become a coordinated yeah. effort yeah. by the federal yeah. federal tier? And, and and this is part of the issue here, and I, I found it hard to understand coming over here and realizing that Australia really is just a. Uh, a small collection of countries under the one banner really yeah <laughs> um the way they you know the way they go about um doing things from from state to state yeah. territory to territory uh and people have gone off and as you said before tasmania came up with some stuff tasmania yeah. uh, south australia not south australia sorry queensland victoria um you know are all doing some good work but um, really, it needs to be collective because yeah. um, I'll put my union hat on here. But you know, United is how we go about doing things, yeah. um, and that's now happening. Just in the last sort of couple of months, um, the National Council of Ambulance Unions have got together and decided that they're going to um, approach this nationally. Yeah, cool. Do you know, so, are any other agencies doing that to your knowledge, or uh, with? Well, we're hoping, um, you know, like I think it's crazy that we don't all club together. I yeah, mean, the, I was just wondering the, whether the fire, like the national fire uh, group or the, you know, the, the Australasian policing might have done something similar, but you, you haven't heard of that? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but my, I suppose my focus has been really ambulance. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Although recently working within rural fire, when I when I first joined, I, I was surprised to hear that the the volunteers, um, like the members of the rural fire service, were not protected under the presumptive legislation for prescribed cancer. Is that right? Like the. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, they introduced the prescribed cancers into New South Wales a while yeah, back. Yeah, and it's it? here in the ACT for the full-time fires, but it wasn't there for the, volunteer the rural fire. Right, okay. So I, be I believe that they're correcting that. And, you know, the there's independent members down here, such as the David Pocock. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, he, he seems to be taking um, a real interest in, in pushing these types of issues, which is which is good to have yeah, an ally. good. Yeah. And look, I'm confident that uh, locally in the ACT that the chief minister's office have had we've had numbers of chats with them regarding presumptive legislation. So just for the listeners to uh, Billy, yeah. presumptive legislation, can you just give us a tiny bit of overview of what what that actual reference r means? Yeah, yeah. So essentially, for your employer and for the government to basically admit that the type of work that we do, there will be physical and psychological obstacles. And rather than actually having to go and prove that your injury was work-related, yeah, it's just presumed. Whether you're one day in the job or a thousand days in the job, whatever it be, whether you're retired, and yeah. you know, quite often that's the case, that it will be presumed that your work... Um, has been a key factor in this, and at the moment it's not. And you, you actually have to go through this 
I'm going to mention them again, independent medical exams <laughs> to, to prove that this happened in your workplace. And yeah. look, I've done three of them now. Um, yeah, I think and I'm, each up, time, I'm up to four, I think. Yeah, I've, I've got think. halfway through a story and they've gone, no, stop, that's enough. I was like, are you sure? I've got a <laughs> list here for you. You know, it's crazy that they could even think that, you know, emergency service workers should have to prove mm. that they've come across confronting work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you talk about the military and the military are often exposed um, in a short time frame, you know, over the course of three to six months, maybe to to quite hardcore traumatic experiences. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But then you've got our colleagues in the emergency services that are, you know, five, ten. 20, 30 year careers mm. being exposed sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes three times a day, four times a day yeah, to, crazy. to things that people maybe, if they're unlucky, will only see once in their lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was having a chat to one of my uh, military guys that I've come to know pretty well. And we were talking about this issue together and, you know, it was certainly, we were certainly really very overtly saying, we're not trying to compare the two things together. Like the experiences are completely different, but suppose the, the trauma delivery, if you call it that, I don't know, but it, it's, yeah, you're right. Like it's that ever present daily thing. It's so much like small town stuff. Yeah. My God, like I was in a one man police station for quite a few years. So you can, you can yeah. go to bed and get woken up in the middle of the night, get out of bed in your pajamas. You've got people punching each other at your front door. So yeah. you, you, like you can't even go to bed. And that, and half the time that had happened when you're on annual leave. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you, you cannot escape it. And, uh, you know, and that's what one of the things he was saying to me was, you know, like the experience is really different. I mean, no, no one's ever going to try and compare the, the war sort of footing to emergency no, service. No, no. But, you know, that's what he was saying is at least he gets to come home and like he doesn't drive down the street and have reminders of things from – um, Afghanistan going down down the main street to the shops or or whatever yeah. and and also like yeah compartmentalized in that sense where you can come home decompress if you can um mm -hmm. yeah whereas you know <laughs> we go home and half the time you get called back out again because you're on call it's like ah, yeah damn it <laughs> yeah that's it and and you do, you know you don't get time to um i suppose deal with it because yeah, you're no. moving on to the next job yeah yeah it's just and it's like different. you say the yeah. shift the shift doesn't stop no. um, when you go home. And Canberra's really, you know, they call it the bush capital for a reason. Um, you know, the degrees of separation are pretty pretty yeah. limited here. So yeah. you, you encounter people um, in your area that are, you know, related to your family. You see them down the shops. So, you know, for a capital city... Um, you know, it, it is just like a, it's a it's big a country town. Big country town, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. With a big building yeah. in the middle. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, that building that we're all going to march upon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, stand by. And for I that. think <laughs> you talk about the military there as well. I mean, they, you know, I don't know a lot about it. I hear some pros and cons, but, you know, they have the DVA white yeah. card that allows easier access to treatment. Yeah. And I know some AMBO colleagues that are also military as well. Yeah. Um, and they will go straight to the DVA because yep. it's less it's hassle. It's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's actually one of the things that my PTSD group, because it's got a mix of services, mm. you know, a lot of the military people cannot believe what, like DVA's got fault, but, yeah, um, you know, from what I hear, it's not, it's certainly not, not rosy, but um, yeah, some of the, 
you know, they're gobsmacked at some of the things these insurance companies put us through. And yeah, and yeah you're right. It's really telling when you've got people that have been in the cops or ambos or whatever and been reservists on the side. I don't know one of those people that have had that dual service military emergency service that aren't using the DBA stream because it's easier. You know, mm. that, that speaks volumes to me. If they, yeah. you know, you would you would obviously cho- choose the path of least resistance, and and that's DVA. So it's obviously a step forward from what we've got to go mm-hmm. through with these insurance companies. So, so we've got we've got a real problem with underreporting because, like, I'll just give an example. One of my colleagues there didn't put in a, a risk man um, because he didn't think much of it at the mm-hmm. time. So risk man is um, reporting system. Yep. Um, I think that goes to safe work or and yeah, through the government yeah. and yeah. didn't really think much of it, but then it happened again. So they put one in this time and it's now flared up. And so they're trying to get treatment and they've been turned down and knocked back and they're just giving up. Yeah. Um, others aren't even reporting it because they've seen people <laughs> like myself yeah. and what we've gone through. Not prepared to sign you know, up for that. <laughs> No, absolutely not. And so, you know, this is what we need to do is like under presumptive laws, you've got to deem injuries, whether it be fit. And I, I think physical has to be included as well. A lot of it's focused on psychological, but, yeah. you know, we've got to deem that work related unless they've got clear evidence to the contrary yeah. um, and shift that burden of proof. Yeah. Because um, at the moment, the burden of proof's on the injured person. Yeah. Like, that was actually that one back. thing that surprised me because when I first, ended this uh, pipeline and, and you know quite strangely I didn't understand why at the time but I, I was given advice from my medical uh, team at the time not to put in any compensation pipeline stuff yeah. at the time I went off because I said you can't you are not ready to confront that system yet um, I was that bad they said so the, this is crazy isn't it because it's the system that's that's the system of care it's the thing that's meant yeah. to get you better they actually yeah. said it was that ba- it's that uh, adversarial that I wasn't ready to deal with it so I actually had a delayed sort of start in that sense just so I could get well enough to start that journey of dealing with it but you know, it's, oh man, it's, it's a, it's a grind. Yeah. You know, you talk about the no, deeming, yeah. the deeming side of things. Like one of the, yeah. my first memories actually, once I lodged the paperwork to say I'd been injured at work, one of the first things that happened to me is I was interviewed, a bit, a little bit of correspondence. And then I was sent for a remote, I think it's through convenience now, but it was a COVID bannered thing to say, you know, I was going to be interviewed remotely by an investigator mm. to uh, yeah. come up with a, I think they referred to it as a, uh, a statement of facts or something. Now I haven't, you know, I haven't spent many, many years in the cops and I've seen, you know, I've seen really good operators and really bad operators in the cops. I've seen some re- pretty, pretty average, pretty average interviewers, uh, you know, from the police side of things uh, and how they've actually structured an interview. I don't know yeah. that I've, se- I don't know that I'd even seen a disgruntled, cranky old sergeant at 3am do a worse interview than what <laughs> I was subjected to. Uh, I couldn't believe it. The uh, Man, yeah. like it was, yeah. it was this company and ironically it was called, that was the, okay. the contracted company that the insurer yeah, right. had sent, sent to me. And I'm like, right. It was. And how much money does it cost them? Um, to engage these people as I've opposed to no how much it costs idea. to give you treatment. Got no idea. And th- yeah, this, this was all... That would be interesting. Yeah, it was... Oh, man. Like, And that was the starting point. And it's, uh, yeah, anyway. 
yeah. 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 So they, 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 these are the kind of things that um, presumptive legislation hopefully will cover. Mm. You know, uh, you mentioned before about being retired. Mm. You know, at the moment, there are limits to when you last worked as to what mm. treatment you get. And, you know, a bit similar to some of those not-for-profit organizations out there that won't help you as soon as you're retired. Yeah, I found um, that same problem with one of the big ones, actually. it, it wouldn't, Yeah, well, I, I'm not going to mention their name because uh, I could talk about them all day, but... Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, there's there's a there's a lot better charities out there doing some good work, and there's others that are swallowing up all the funding. Mm. But we'll move on from that one, because um, otherwise, my heart rate will just go up. <laughs> <laughs> and what, but, the memory yeah. card's not that big on this thing; it might. <laughs> um, but no limits to when you last worked as a first responder. A lot of yeah. times, people retire, and it's when they've then got time to review all the events yeah. that that's when it hits them. Yeah. So how about we just make it within six months of receiving a diagnosis? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. You know, whenever um, that happens. And yeah, yeah. Um, we did have, and Victoria started this as a pilot scheme. Um, we now have it as a, a bit of a result down here where you now get preliminary treatment. Um, in other words, while they're waiting for your claim to be determined, yeah, you will get access to payments for up to 13 weeks from the date you submit your claim. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it just gives a bit of certainty yeah. of of support. While... I'm pretty sure that's how it works here in New South Wales now is is while they yeah. while they've got you in this state of what they refer yes. to it as um uh, reasonably excused I think is the terminology they use in in making a determination. They do give you cover um yeah. and potentially payments up to a certain point. Um, 13 weeks I think is where they go to and yeah, okay. and that's and that's great um you know that that gives you that cover yeah but they're not um they're not advertising it they're not letting it be known so they need advocates like us to to actually help guide these people and mm. and tell them the right things to ask for which yep. is shocking it should just be automatic it should be automatic you know they're, they're like medical certificate we talk about IMEs you know since when did the doctor not become able to make a diagnosis um <laughs> at an early stage, you know, mm. surely a medical certificate is all that should be required yeah, um, at yeah. the beginning. You know, it removes the need for that person to re to relive the events that put them there. Mm. And then we talk about the admin side of things. I mean, especially when, when you've got um, PTSD, like, well, let's just throw some admin at people with PTSD yeah. and see how that goes. I don't know how people, <laughs> I don't like, I feel really sorry for people who's, and, and it's very often the story, isn't it? That the relationship that they're in doesn't survive. That yeah. happens so often. Yeah. I don't know how those people get through this process because I've got to be honest with you, I didn't do much of it. Um, and and yeah. I wouldn't have been able to do any more than I did. And I did like probably you know, I did what I had to do, uh, and the rest of it, like phone calls, correspondence, everything right at the start, I said, you know, I, I just gave the approvals to, for my wife to take all of that on my behalf. Yeah. Um, because you know, I was, you know, yourself, it's, it's, it winds you up. It, you know, you, you can't understand it. Um, makes you angry when things don't make sense. And you know, they, yeah, that you're right. They throw this barbaric administrative system at you at the, your lowest, probably the, 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 the point of your life where you've got the lowest cognitive capacity you've ever had. And they give you mm, some of the most yeah. complex problems you're ever going to have to solve. It's like, yeah. what on earth is this? <laughs> yeah. And anyway. be treated just like another, another yeah, number. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, yeah. And, and the incidences of reporting, even though it's higher um, than the normal 
workforce. You know, they actually found that um, although there was maybe a, a sudden spike in in uh, claims being made, mm. a, a lot of that was probably attributed to people who were scared to make claims as opposed to new injuries. Yeah. Um, and the number who are actually playing the system is so low, ridiculously yeah. low, that, you know, treating everybody as if they're trying to work the system yeah. is... It's just no way to do it. And, I, you know, I sort of, I've been working under the title of duty of care when I'm writing um, my, my, my thoughts down. You know, as a provider, an emergency health provider in the community, we're always reminded that we've got a duty of care to yeah. our patients. Yep. You're threatened so with it sometimes. It? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And again, that well, um, the adversarial side of it, that that's another part. Um <laughs> But who, whose duty is it to care for yeah. for us when we need it? Yeah. That was the biggest, I suppose, shattering moment for myself was I, I had a point in time when I had a really long drawn out assessment period of um, the claim process and it, and it ended up under legal interpretations being rejected yeah. by both of my emergency service employers. And I, I, I can't tell you what that meant what that felt like when, you know, these two organizations that you've, you've put yourself in harm's way for, uh, for so many years and done, you know, done s just some unbelievable things for, then mm. the time you need help, they just both turn their back on you and you go, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 I still, I still can't comprehend it to this day. How that, how that, how they could allow insurance assessors to make a legalistic determination to, to basically both of them to, you know, to just to turn their back on you and go, no, we're not helping you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've heard that from colleagues as well, that, you know, the, the process is more damaging. You talked about the um, beyond blue report that you talked about earlier, that, that yeah. one of the figures out of that, that I still, God, still makes me so angry is I think it's 61 or 63% of people that enter the pipeline of, of so-called, um, you know, the claims process for, for rehabilitation and return to work, 61% of them come out the other end worse than what they went in. Yeah. So how can you have a yeah. system that, that damages, it's so detrimental they're coming out the other end worse than when they went into it when it's actually meant to have the opposite effect? How can they allow that to continue? I, I'll, I'll never understand that. Can you, um, I don't know if it's the same for you guys as well, but um, I, I had a period where they were trying to knock back my, my claim um, saying that my issue was with the administration. Really? <laughs> so, so it's like, hold on a minute. So what you're saying to me is that if the process is what's damaged me, we're not going to protect you because that's not actually the job. No, that's not covered. <laughs> there you go. Right. And this is what they're trying to do with independent yeah. medical examiners. They're trying, they're trying to pin the administration as being the issue, not mm. the actual job. Mm. And like, really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, I think that's why it featured so heavily in the Senate, the 2019 Senate report, isn't it? The use of yeah. IMEs in, in this process has to be, has to be reviewed and reconsidered because. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, one of, one of the IMEs I had to do was done by a forensic psychiatrist who produced a medico-legal report for the insurer and they basically didn't – they chose not to basically – Yeah. <laughs> they asked for the report. I got subjected to it 
and they got the report and then their determination went against those reckon that his findings anyway. I'm like, yeah. what? how well, how can you make me do that stuff and then ignore it anyway? Ah. Yeah. No. Anyway. It's, yeah. It is a frustration. And look, um, to, to look, you know, try and, well, I suppose bring us back up again. Um, yeah. yeah. I was just about there, to say, we probably of, need to get off our boxes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. But there are, there's been a lot of good, um, reviews done there, there are people in uh places like i think queensland with phoenix australia black dog institute yep. uh, beyond blues reports uh, it's all there and mm. you know that obviously it ended with the senate inquiry and i think let's get back to vince because we've not spoke about him so <laughs> um i'd actually gone with um pia from emergency she came down to canberra and we we went around Tharwa Valley and and I introduced her to the guys down there and oh, yeah. and just showed what they were doing you know and and what they were creating down there and 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 how good it was um uh, and Vince came along and met us for lunch afterwards and um little did I know that you know I've been hoodwinked or cajoled <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what it was but next minute I, I'm well and truly ensconced within the heart to heart walk. Um, <laughs> All I did was ask him what was it all about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and here we, and here we are now, um, yeah. and it's great. And this it is, is yeah. this yeah. is this thing where, you know, um, you know these guys have got. What can we do? What you know? How can we change things? Um, yeah. And where we're coming from the same place. When I suppose when you realise, and I'll say this to people as well, I, I was looking for help. Mm. and I'd contacted the employee assistance programs and psychologists and things. And I was, I was being told there was a three month wait. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's pretty normal. A three it? month wait. Yeah. And you know, when, when someone's in an emergency, yeah. you know, um, the time to help someone when they're in an emergency is yeah. now when they need it. <laughs> Put the golden hour um, over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I just couldn't get this through my head until I, I, I kind of realized that I was the help. Yeah. Um, you are the help, you know, other people can provide you with tools and resources. Yeah. Um, but it has to come from you. And one of the things I came up with in my head, um, was one thing, one reason, one thing. Um, and I kind of, I put this on my fridge, you know, and it was, um, one thing that I love. Yep. One thing that I like. Yep. One thing that I would like to do. And, one person that loves you yeah right and that just that was kind of whenever i was feeling low i would just uh, you know and sometimes it would change you know it doesn't have to be static yeah but, yeah for sure you know i sort of realized that, that i had to help myself mm. um one of my colleagues described it really well as feeling like they were in a boat and it lost anchor um, and yep. they were cast out to sea. Yep, yep. The radio wasn't working. They were, they were putting in a mayday call, but they were getting no response. Yep. And they were just waiting for the next big wave to come along. That that kind of describes where I was. Um, and I'm sure that's a familiar maybe feeling. Some of the listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's up to us as individuals to mm. to to um to find. I suppose it's up to us collectively to mm. to help these people but you also need to try and and find that help and that's that's where i'm hoping with people like yourself matt um and others that are willing to sort of come out and and talk about their experiences yeah. and, and help remove the stigma you mentioned the like feeling weak and soft yeah um yeah. 
far from it you know like what what you're doing now like you're actually um and you probably don't realize it but you know us actually talking about this uh, and and trying to do something about it it's it's pretty strong thing mate to come out of that stoic stiff upper lip stress isn't real yeah yeah you know that's the work environment absolutely yeah yeah yeah. we need to we need to move away from that and and i think well there's there are people like yourself that traditionally maybe have been seen as the strong provider that are willing to step up and come forward and 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 talk about these experiences then you know i'm sure we can help people yeah look i'm I'm really hoping where this lands is um you know if it's not already it's going to bring that to people that might need that little that little foot up and you know sometimes you i've heard the term get active in your own rescue from a few different fronts one of the uh one of the other podcasts i listen to is the uh, the unforgiving 60 there's two SAS guys that run that and uh, they often refer to that in their sort of resilience model, get active in your own rescue. And I, and I think that's right, but yeah, geez, sometimes that's hard yeah. for you to do. And sometimes it might be just that little, that little, I don't know, that supportive little boost that you get that might actually tip you into that mode of going, yeah, you know what, I've got this or I can do this next step or, you know, it's not too much for me. I can get on with it. And yeah, it's every little bit helps, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, this walk will help a lot of people. Hopefully, this podcast might, you know, bring a bit of resolution or comfort to some others too. And all, as you said earlier, you know, all these little little bits and pieces uh, together can uh, can help people in different ways. And you mentioned, um, I think you mentioned resilience there, and I, I'd been looking at it the wrong way. Um, I, and we've always we always seem to be going on about the individual's resilience instead of the organization's resilience. Mm. But I, I realized that resilience, I, and I actually heard this. Uh, did you did you see the program? It was it was um, uh, it was teenagers with old people, like it's the nursing home for teenagers yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saw that. What yeah. a fantastic program it was. Yeah. Um, and that that was really interesting as well, you know, and about how we deal with people and this. You know how we treat old people, yeah. how we treat teenagers, how we treat emergency workers. Yeah. And you know, resilience isn't about how you deal with a situation at the time. Resilience is about how you bounce back from it. Yeah. That's proper resilience. So it's actually, you know, that that strength side of things, that growth. I want to be I want to be a better person. Mm. Um, and loads of people will tell you I probably need to be. Uh, <laughs> but I, I want to be a better shout person coming out of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, shout out to my family. You know, um, yeah. like, you know, I've got a 15-year-old son now who's probably emotionally intelligent beyond his years yeah. because he saw his father. It's had to be, um, yeah. Going from being active. Um, you know, I, I, I led a very active life, uh, hill walking, et cetera, to, to do nothing. Yeah, you know, and and he's probably you know he's had to. My daughter's only ever known me to be injured, so she's not known me any other way. Mm. But yeah, like thankfully, I think I've not I've not damaged them. Um, yeah. I'm I'm hoping that certainly with my son's experience that he's learned a lot more emotionally mm. from this. And yeah, the importance, like you said before, I, I'm so glad that I I didn't I didn't ruin things there, you know, and becoming isolated and becoming reclusive and. You know, that whole uh, motivation thing, you know, where you beat yourself up about not doing stuff. Um, mm. And that, as a result, makes you not do stuff. 
Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> you get caught in the loop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it is rough, long, isn't it? Like the kid, the impact yeah. on the kids, I look back at what's happened with me and I'm like, I don't know how to make up for it or undo some of it. I think the whole family's learned a lot. Yeah. You know, maybe before before their time, before they should have. But, you know, it's certainly, um, yeah, it's been a life-changing journey for all of us, I think. Yeah. And I, it's unfortunate because, I mean, <laughs> it's bad enough that it affected me, but I, I can sort of come to terms with that with why, but it's bloody rough that it spreads out and affects your whole family. Yeah, and it, it does. But, again, you know, I think – and, and I think was that was that your daughter that does the introduction? Yeah, yeah. Actually, but I've got two girls, and um, they've both got a little spot. So, yeah, my eldest does the introduction on the on these sort of episodes, and my younger one does the introduction on the sort of special edition episodes. And yeah, 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 brilliant. And like you know, clearly, um, clearly they get it. Oh yeah. You know the the, the little comment, someone just like my dad. Yeah. You know that. Um, and I believe that wasn't scripted. No, either, not at right? all. She just said, I want to, no. I want to do this thing. And like, cause there've been yeah. so much of a, you know, <laughs> the, whole, the whole, I, I couldn't put all this stuff together. So, you yeah. know, there've been so much of a part of even, you know, working on the van to getting the tech together and the, the software stuff and everything, you know, and they, Brilliant. they really wanted to be part of it and, and yeah. they actually want to have a voice. That's, that's sort of part of why that what's driving them. They actually want to have a voice and, um, you know, sadly, my eldest daughter, she really wanted to be a politician. We used to take her down to little, um, like girls in politics workshops down in Sydney from a, quite a young age. She was quite, um, driven to be that way. Mm. But uh, having seen, sadly for her, this is one of the really sad, uh, parts of this story is she now couldn't think of anything worse. And mm. she's just seen the government... And, and she sees it as the government, not not an insurance company or or anything else. She yeah. just goes, you know, my dad used to work for the government, and the government's yeah. doing all this stuff to him now. And and yeah. she she now says, why are these politicians letting this happen? Why haven't they changed it? And um, and uh, sadly, she she literally has zero interest. Uh, if anything, it's you know it's quite negative and derogatory towards politicians uh and she and it sounds like she needs to become an activist no, <laughs> no she's feisty um, enough man i don't want to give her any yeah, more platforms <laughs> we'll give it we'll give her a placard and send her down here <laughs> holy hell man yeah yeah so uh but uh you know Look, it's really, it sounds like there's it sounds like they're going to be stronger for your experience yeah and th Matt, there will and I, there are so many benefits uh, like it's not all been bad like i've you know and even from a time point of view you know like i've i've been able to have time with these girls that I would never have otherwise had. It's not yeah. all been great, but you know, a lot of it has been. And, and, you know, I'm thankful for that. If, if, you know, if there's a little silver lining to it, of, you know, I've been able to do some stuff that I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have been able to do. So, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, been pretty cool. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely, uh, definitely got to be some positives coming out of this. I think. Yeah. 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 And again, kudos to you, mate. They've obviously, um yeah, yeah, rallied they, around you yeah they have the whole family has man they've been so uh ugh, like, yeah i don't know how they've i don't know how they've done it <laughs> to be honest yeah with and yeah. that again that comes down to you know it's like those it's not just us it's it's those around us that are yeah. affected by this you know um yeah. you know they they want to help but you can't you can't tell them what you're going through because no. um vicarious trauma is a oh, thing God. as well you know yeah. and and that's the difficulty you know, people, I still don't even open up to my psych. Yeah, um, right. yeah. You know, like I feel, 
<laughs> I feel like I can't, I can't say yeah. what I've seen, and, you know, and to be honest, it doesn't really help me, you know, like it helps me more actually being able to, I suppose, help other people. And that that's yeah. why I'm doing the job. Yep. That's why I was doing the job I'm doing. I think that's what's drawn us all into this, uh, this little project. Yeah. Common purpose. And, um, like, I, I think I explained it once before, uh, with Vince, so I said it, you know, that I think most of us have ended up in emergency services sort of roles and, and you get indoctrinated into that help. You got to, you're helping people, you know, like that's, that's what you yeah. do. And, you know, it's like trying to stop that border collie chasing a ball. It's, it's never going to happen. <laughs> you will not, you will not train that dog to stop chasing a ball. And, um, nah. you know, it's like trying to take that away. It just, it just doesn't happen. So the little bit that you can give back and, and that it brings a lot of purpose. I think so. With regards to the, the walk, obviously we've still got to get this charity status up and running and then we can we can actually start to publicise what we're doing a little bit more. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's a short time frame. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure where, like my position at the moment, I'm with Rural Fire up until March, um, yeah. still owned by Ambulance. So really... You know, I'm trying not to think about it too much for the next couple of months as yep. to as to what happens here. I could have easily been medically retired, I think, but uh, the affordability of that just it just wasn't even on the radar. And I, I'm yeah. quite thankful the chief officer of Rural Fire, Rowan, has offered to take me on board for for six months and and try me out and see how I go. And so. Come sort of July, August, I really don't know where I'm going to be, but I'm yeah, certainly, right. you know, I, I'm in, I'm in for a fair part of it. But the the walking side of it physically would be an issue for me. Yeah, um, yeah of course. Yeah. yeah, like so. Oh, look at physically, it wouldn't be possible. Yeah, um, no, nah, of course. You know, like yeah. I, I'm sitting here just now with with a bit of pain, but yeah, I'm I certainly going to be walking. Yeah, I'm going to be walking parts of it. Um, yeah, cool. But what I can provide there is hopefully using our our, uh, our national council mm. contacts and mm. you know medical support throughout the walk yeah that'd be awesome yeah yeah and you know uh, uh yeah i'm trying to do as much as i can in the background to vince had a really productive chat with uh the esa deputy commissioner wayne yeah right um, so esa for people outside act emergency services agency so yeah it's quite unique in the act where um, we have ambulance, fire and rescue, uh, SES, and the rural fire service all coming under the one umbrella. Okay. Um, and sit in the same building. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah. So I do believe that we've been um, promised some medical support coming into Canberra from Tumut. Yeah, right. But how, how that will be, uh, I'm not quite sure, but. I'm pretty certain that my colleagues down here across the ESA are, are, are we're going to get a lot of buy-in from them. And yeah, like uh, I suppose if I can't walk the whole way, I'll try and drag as many people as I can into it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Wow. That that's cool. Yeah. 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 yeah I think I, like I was having a chat with Bats the other day. Like he sort of said the same same deal. He said he's not up for walking. He's uh, he's got a f carrying a few injuries, but he's. Uh, found his niche with the camp oven so um yeah he's gonna be he's gonna be busy yeah, yeah. Well, look thanks for the chat um just no. just on the way yeah. out um i need to know if you've got a if you've got a walking song or a 
or an endurance song or uh, something that you would listen to if you were walking up that big steep hill at the 39th kilometre? Listen, I'm not going to fall into that trap and talk about the Proclaimers, all right? I can see where you're going with this one. All right. I'm not walking 500 miles and I'm not walking 500 more. <laughs> there you go. No, don't do it. It's, that's got to yeah. be on there, actually. I never even thought of that. There you go. Uh, look, you know, and again, being, being a Hart Midlothian football <laughs> supporter, um, I'm not going to mention you'll never walk alone either. Oh. Um, so I suppose just going on that theme, I think it's got to be either Walk on the Wild Side by yeah. Lou Reed. Yeah, yeah. Walk the Line with Johnny Cash. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I think uh, Nancy Sinatra, these boots were made for walking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there that's we go. cool. I've, I've gone with a walking theme. Yeah, yeah all three. Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. worries. We'll, whack them, or we'll put them on the um, Butterfly playlist and, um, yeah, it's slowly growing. And, uh, yeah, I guess the idea of that is we're going to have to have 90 days of walking music. So, uh, oh yeah, yeah we've got to start start put, filling that up. If you are doing the walk. Yeah. I'm sure you didn't want to, or wouldn't want to be eating ration packs. Oh, you get some of the rat packs these days are, are pretty good with the boil in the bags. Oh, yeah, those, yeah, the ready MREs or whatever they yeah, are. Yeah, 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 like the, the curries and you can jet boil them and yeah. and all sorts of things. I mean, yeah, they've come a far way from <laughs> the old military ration packs that had the, the corned beef in a tin. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Eating on a walk, that, that's going to be a difficult one because, like, you don't want anything too spicy because you don't know how far away from a toilet you're going to be. <laughs> Actually, I've not – there you go. I've never, ever thought about that. Yeah, the, the, yeah the you, logistics you want to be of... walking, not running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, conservative I, food. There you go. That's the tip for bat. Yeah, yeah. I think you, obviously lots of carbs, yeah. um, plenty of energy. Yeah. Um, something that you can you can carry, and well, I, I imagine by the time we get up and running, we'll we'll have fridges, etc. Yeah, whether it be personal ones or whatever. But you you want things that I I would think that you'd be. I mean, is Bats just is he going to be the the microwave technician for the walk? Or well, is I he believe be so. Walking? No, I think he's okay. um yeah he's found his place with food coordination. Yeah, right. yeah. so um okay. Something that you know you can make, and I'll see you through a few days. Mm. Um, I don't think my so I go to Bathurst every year with the guys um, from work. We go to the supercars. Yeah, right. And uh, we we take a, a day about with cooking, and I, I use one of those um, uh, the the pots, the Dutch oven. Yep, yep, yep. Which apparently means something different yeah. in Australia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you tell someone that you use a Dutch oven, they look at you funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I've become renowned for my my beef stew. Um, oh, cool. uh, but it's known as Billy's Bathurst beef bog bombing stew. Oh, so okay. I, I don't think we want that. On might the not walk. be the one. <laughs> nah, it might not be the ways. I'll just stick to some trail mix, please. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trail mix and hydrolate. There you go. That'll do. Good, yeah. Good tip. Good tip for the walkers. Yeah, hey, look, uh, thanks very much for the chat today. Yeah. Thanks uh, on behalf of everyone on the walk. Thanks for being part of the planning committee and all the effort that's going in behind the scenes there. And good luck with the negotiations with your uh, national ambulance group and the presumptive legislation. I hope it sets a, uh, I really hope it sets a, I suppose a benchmark for other states to look at and follow if it if it does only resolve something in the ACT. But let's let's hope that they're going to finally come on to some sort of nationally coordinated 
yeah. uh, response to this uh, mess? Well, it's definitely um, it's definitely happening from the union side of things that the the National Council of Ambulance Unions are are coming together to try and resolve this. And I've got no doubt that the 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 people within the National Council have um, plenty of knowledge in this space and plenty of drive yeah. and the ability to actually to to make something happen. So I, I'm fairly confident that we will get some good results. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, look, wouldn't it be wonderful if we came walking into town in September and didn't have to wait long for an annou- announcement to yeah. be made? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and if any of you Paulies out there are listening, what a wonderful date that would be in September. Absolutely. To reward the the efforts of of everybody involved. Um, and not before time. No, not before time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, they've had long enough in my books. But anyway, they have. when you look yeah, at all the research findings have. and recommendations going back to 2018 and earlier. But anyway, yeah. Um, hey, thanks for the chat, and we'll. Uh, I'll... Definitely, Matt. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, take it easy. All the best. Yeah, good one. Have a good and new year. Happy New Year when it comes. Yeah, absolutely. You too. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, English is my second language, so <laughs> say slander my thur. <laughs> well, I don't know what you just said to me, but anyway, yeah, good. <laughs> health, healthy New Year. Okay, I was going to say, I'll take it the right way. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> Thanks. Cheers now, mate. Righto. You've been listening to the Heart to Heart podcast. People on their own journey for the awareness of mental health in our first responders. Thanks for listening and please remember to support our foundation by going to the webpage at www.hearttoheartwalk.org. That's www.heart2heartwalk.org or just Google it.